Well, good morning. If you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 103. This is week two in our series on the Trinity, and we'll be talking about God the Father. But uh, before we do, I just want to make just to reiterate a few uh, announcements that uh, John Gant was talking about. Uh, Wednesday nights are starting on September 13th, and so here's why we're doing Wednesday nights. It wasn't that we were sitting around and saying, hey, how can we just get busier and busier and busier? Here's the purpose of Wednesday nights, spiritual growth. Listen, we want you to continue to grow in your faith. And so if you've got children, uh, this will look like Awanas or RAs or GAs. We're trying to kind of hone in on some of those things as we speak uh, so that we can launch those. But listen, we need some of you as workers to genuinely give up some of your time on Wednesday nights so that you can help children grow in their faith. Uh, The other thing that we'll be doing is uh, I am going to lead an adult series uh, called Experiencing God. Has anybody ever been through experiencing God? Uh, It seems like 100 years ago when I was a student, we went through this. And we're actually uh, doing this as a family devotion at the Hubbard household right now also. And I love the impact that it has. And so we're going to start with one class. And the goal is next semester to add another class and to continue till we get about four to six classes on Wednesday nights so that whatever spiritual condition you're in, if you don't know Christ, you can come learn about him. If you know Christ and are a recent believer, uh, a fun fact about Pooler Bible Church is about 30% of the people that are here on our every Sunday morning are people that have accepted Christ within the past three to five years. And that's a wonderful thing for us. But we want to help you grow in your spiritual walk with that also. For some of you that are a little bit more mature in your faith, we want you to take another step and to continue to grow there. And for some of you that are mature believers that love to chew on theology and the things that are just deep things, we want to eventually provide a class for you guys also. But it takes us kind of buying into this and beginning to understand this. And so I hope that as you prepare your Wednesday nights, as you prepare your schedule for the fall, you'll take 12 weeks. Listen, this isn't the the, the Wednesday night that never ends. This is 12 weeks that we are committing to uh, work together, to grow together, and to invest together. And so I hope that you'll make it a point to be there with us there. Um, If you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 103 and verse 8 through 18 is where we're going to look at a little bit this morning. Uh, But I want you to think with me because the, the Trinity can be a difficult thing for us to understand. And for some, we've gotten to this place where it's, it's so mystique, it's so difficult for us to explain that we've stopped really trying to understand it. We've stopped really trying to explain it to the world that's around us. And we kind of just act like it is, but it doesn't really exist. And so the goal this morning is that we would key in on one area of the Trinity. Last week, we looked at how all of it works together, how it is, is, is put together. And this week, I want to look at this as God the Father. And so as we kind of key into this, the, the way for us to really start of this is to talk about different types of fathers. When you think about the father that you've had or the father that you are or the fathers that you've seen, they come in certain classifications. And so let me give you just a few that are kind of humorous for us to kind of think through. Uh, The first is the workaholic dad. Uh, This is the dad that hasn't figured out the balance between work and parenting. This is the dad that is always on his cell phone, even though his kids are jumping off of the roof and doing cannonballs in the pool, his dad is still kind of focused on work work, okay? This is something that takes place. We are an overworked society in a lot of ways, and sometimes it's hard to find that balance. The next one is the playful pop. 
the dad that thinks that he is a kid also. We've all seen this kind of uh, come to fruition. This is the dad that's really good at playing video games with his kid, but not that great with life advice for his kid. And so we kind of have that coming together. And uh, the third is the hipster dad. Listen, this is the dad that wears the skinny jeans and the matching clothes with his infant. Okay, listen, I can rock skinny jeans. I ain't too proud, but me match. <laughs> My wife says they look good, okay? That's, that's where we're going to leave that one. This is the one that is more really concerned about how people perceive him than his actual child. Uh, the next one uh, is the geek dad, okay? Follow me here. Constantly talking tech and trek. Get it? Star Trek? None of you are nerds. Good. Um, this is the next one is the hero dad. Always stepping in to save the day. Always just kind of finding that moment. If a car comes by, they grab their child and they roll into the grass and they hold their kid and then they put their child up and say, I saved him. Listen, this is the one that's always letting everyone around him know that he is needed. He is saving the day continually. The hero dad. The next one is the handyman dad. This is the guy who can fix anything. And he spends time with his kids fixing things and teaching life lessons as they are fixing things. And then this one kind of resonates a little bit close to home for me, but this is the coach dad. He coaches every sport and trying to win trophies for his child, he thinks. <laughs> So we've all seen that the trophies are not really for those kids, but they're for the dad or for the coach or whatever that kind of comes along with that. Look, we have many misconceptions of fathers. Some of you have a truly great example of a father, and some of you do not. Listen, the reality is that when we come to our relationship with our father, it's one of the most difficult relationships that exists. The reality is all of us have some type of relationship, whether it is a good relationship, whether it is a bad relationship, we have fathers that are involved in our lives. Listen, the reality is that sometimes we grow into our fathers. We begin to do their mannerisms, begin to say their sayings, even at the, the, the expense of not wanting to do those things. It's interesting that a lot of times a, a, a young lady who is getting ready to get married looks for somebody that is like their father. That is so weird. But it's I, how we kind of look, how we know, how we understand some of these things. And so the important thing here for us to understand this morning, before we dig into the understanding of God the Father, is that for some, your view of God has been defined by your view of your father. And I want to separate those two this morning before we ever even dig in. Listen, whether you've had a great father or a horrible father, he does not compare to God the Father. These are two completely different understandings. And so I hope that this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture and begin to digest and begin to understand God the Father, that we will remove some of the baggage of what our earthly fathers are. Eric Mason uh, did a series called Manhood Restored about eight to ten years ago. He pastors in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and one of the things that he talks about in that series is a thing called daddy deprivation, 
One of the things in Philadelphia is kids that are growing up without fathers. They have strong mothers and strong grandmothers and strong support systems. But the absentee father is a detriment to a lot of children. So I love that even in the midst of this understanding, if you have the worst father, the best father, or no present father, God is your heavenly father this morning. And a good and gracious and loving God cares about you so much that the definition of his genuine name would be God the Father. And he shows this in some of the characteristics. And so before we look at those, I want to give you kind of the working definition for what this series is. The Trinity definition is God is one God and exists in three persons who are all God. This is the Trinity. I love the diagram that comes up here because it gives us a a clear picture, a clear understanding of how the Trinity works. God is not the Son. God is not the Holy Spirit, but he is God the Father. But he is God. So when we begin to kind of digest this and understand, we will be looking at one aspect of the Trinity, which is God the Father this morning. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read Psalm 103, verses 8 through 18. Now listen, the early service did a fantastic job with this, but there's a few more people here in this service, so I need you to read boldly, loudly, and proclaim these words as we say these words. Let's begin in verse uh, verse 8. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him. And in his righteousness to children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. Let's pray. God, our Father, speak to us today. Reveal to us through this passage of scripture the understanding of you as our heavenly Father. No matter what example that we have set before us, I pray that that would be removed this morning and that we would be able to truly key in and understand you as our heavenly father this morning. We love you and praise you in Christ's precious and holy name we pray, amen. You guys can take your seats. It's an interesting thing that as I was studying this, uh, my family and I are going through experiencing God as a Bible study. We came to one of the devotions and it broke down places in scripture where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were defined. And I love this understanding because in 145 passages of scripture, it defines God in his form as the heavenly Father, as God our Father. 
And so this morning, I thought that we'd take all 145 verses and digest them. Amen? Amen. Thank you. We won't do that, but we'll key in on just a few. I love the understanding that the scriptures clearly portray to us who God is as our Father, who He is as our Heavenly Father. And so within that role, in this passage of scripture, he gives us three clear understandings of who he is and what he is to do. The first that we see in this is to provide absolute safety for us. In Psalm chapter 103, verse 13 and 14, he says, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. That term compassion as compassionate father is actually translated the same as a mother who is nursing her child. This is that same closeness, that same relationship, this same expression of love that the heavenly father has for us. Listen, I want you to understand that God as your heavenly father loves you and cares about you. He has this deep emotional love for us. And the only term that we can really capture with this is that he shows compassionate love towards us. When you think about the love that the heavenly father has for us, it's hard to even express how deep that love is for us. So when we begin to shift from what our earthly father is to what our heavenly father is, we begin to key in and genuinely understand that his love is deep for us. To tell you how deep it is, he uses the term in this passage of scripture that we are dust. Now, the the realization is that we are decaying every day over and over and over again. Listen, for me, my hair decayed at a very early age. The reality is that all of us are getting older. All of us are decaying. Our bodies are falling apart. Our ailments are kind of on display. But the reality is that even though he knows how fragile we are, he loves us. The reality is that even though we are broken and sinful, our heavenly father loves us. And think about that. His love never fails towards us. He's always loving us. And when you think about this from a parent's love, I think about it from me as a dad. There's nothing that my children can do that I wouldn't love them. Even if they're ugly, even if they act horribly, even if they are a complete disappointment to my family, they are my child and I will always love them. Now, that's not a license to do those things because discipline comes with that also. The reality is that we love our children unconditionally. Listen, when good fathers, when good earthly fathers are in this place, their their love is not conditional on things. The image of God as our father's love is that he loves each and every one of you, no matter your sin, no matter your brokenness, no matter what you have done, his love is present for you. Listen, I don't know about you, but there is absolute safety in knowing that I am loved regardless of what takes place. Imagine that it's not contingent upon or any of those things that are attached to it. His love is there for us. It's on a clear display. 
Man, one of the things that I want as my kids to grow up is them to never question how much their father loves them. One of the things that I used to do when my kids were little is I would ask them and say, who loves you the most? Now, this was kind of a competition between Melissa and I. And listen, I'm the one that loved them the most. Why are you laughing? No, I'm just kidding. I, knew, I was building up my chips, Coach Camp. Uh, when you think about this, man, we love wholeheartedly. And I would tell them, there's only one person that loves you more than what your father does. And that's God. It's the only one that I can't compare to. I love the next aspect of his part of being the heavenly father is that he shows compassionate anger. Listen, this is defined in Psalm 103 in verse 8 through 10. It says, the Lord is merciful and gracious. Listen, this is one of my favorite aspects of God is that he is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Love this part too, because he will not always chide or discipline, nor will he keep his anger forever. He doesn't hold a grudge. He does not deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. Listen, I love the understanding that he is slow to anger. That is a necessary thing for us. That he doesn't just immediately fly off the handle and then strike us down. His love is slow to anger. Another aspect of God is our heavenly father is he does not pay back anger. And some of you have dealt with a father that holds grudges and some may be still holding grudges today. The reality is that God does not hold a grudge against us. He forgives us quickly. Listen, the reality is that when we look at this, sometimes we try to see that this payback anger that God's going to get us or he's gonna be vengeful for us. He is not. Parents, stop using payback anger with your children. It never works. It only poisons the child. They think life is about a payback rather than discipline and forgiveness. So let me explain kind of two kinds of dangerous parents when it comes to this aspect of, of righteous anger or proper anger. The first is the completely permissive parent. The one that is completely detached, that, that never disciplines, that never corrects, that never steps in with what their child is going through. They never discipline, they never confront. There are no standards for a child. It's kind of a do what you want mentality. Listen, the danger and the detriment to what you're creating with that is a child that doesn't know genuine love from a father. The reason that a loving and gracious God gave us fathers and mothers was to show this type of discipline in their life. Look, the whole world is telling us to raise our kids and to take our hands off and to allow somebody else to raise them. And God gave you a mother and a father so that you would listen and be loved continually and know what directions that you should be going. Listen, God entrusted us with these children. 
And as earthly fathers, we should be living that out. The other side of this, of this dangerous parent, first is the completely permissive parent. The second is the abusive parent. And some of you have dealt with both sides of this. That payback anger is used, that it's lots of anger, lots of confrontation, and you're consistently tearing down a child. And I tell you that it is equally as dangerous as those that are completely permissive. The reality is that God, as a heavenly father, has given us a compassionate anger to show towards our kids. The reality is that both of these types of parents destroy children. And I love the understanding that Tim Keller says that both of these kids come to this conclusion. The child ultimately asks this question. I don't know who I am, and I don't know if I am loved. The reality, if you love getting angry, if you love taking your hands off of things, you're missing what God has called you as the heavenly father. If you see God's discipline in your life and you pull back and you reject it, you're not seeing it as love. He is hands-on. He's given you his scriptures. He's given you godly examples in your life. I love this quote by E.H. Gifford. He says this, The more a father loves his son, the more he hates in his son the drunk, the liar, and the traitor. If God were not angry over how we are destroying ourselves, he would not be a good God. And he certainly would not be considered loving. For anger isn't the opposite of love. Hate is. And hate is the ultimate form of indifference. Listen, I don't know about you, but we need a compassionate father that loves us and provokes change in our hearts. That change in that direction. Then the third aspect is God the Father is this. To provide an ultimate home. Man, home is that place that fits you. How many of you have a certain spot on the couch that you sit in every time you come home? How many of you, if somebody's sitting there, you move them? <laughs> Listen, it's molded and formed to your body perfectly. And sometimes when you're at work and on the way home, it calls your name. Come sit here. We need you here. The TV is not even on. Listen, home is this place that fits you. It's the place, the chair that fits perfectly, the bed that molds to you. And you know what the biggest fear in life is? Having no place to call home. God in his loving graciousness provides that for us. If you don't think that you have a certain home, how many of you are sitting in the same chair that you sit in all the time at Pooler Bible Church? Calls your name, hopefully on Wednesdays. Listen, I confused Gant this morning by sitting with my wife. I wanted to see how that chair sat. I've sat in those for so long and I don't like it. I'm going back. I mean, I like my wife, just not the chair sitting by my wife. Can you come sit by me now? Okay, you don't like that? Good. <laughs> Dr. Rainwater, you in here? Good. 
We all want a place that's provided as home for us. There's a, a couple of key facts that fall under this category. Foreign-born Americans spend $10 billion a year going back to their home country, going back to their home. And I've grown up in different places in Kansas City, Missouri, and Taylorville, Illinois, uh, Jonesboro, Georgia, and Savannah, Georgia. And so sometimes when I go back to those places, I see them and it's, it's familiar, but it, it's kind of like you get those feelings of going back into your hometown, going back into your home place, and it's just hard to explain what those feelings are. It's the reason that you sit in the same spot on the couch. It's the reason that you sit in the same chair at church. Look, to further this dynamic, adopted children, there's always a sense of need to know their biological parents, even though they have the most loving, adoptive parents. Sometimes it's tough for us as we continue to grow, as we continue to push forward. Listen, if you've been in the city of Pooler over the past 20, 30, 40 years, how many of you are old Pooler? If you don't know what that means, you're not, okay? Just, okay? Old Pooler is this classification of those that have been here before all of y'all came. (laughs) Fair enough? How many of you remember when old Pooler used to be two dairy farms? Man, I don't even know if they sell milk in this place anymore used to be able to hunt, used to be able to do this, whatever it is. Sometimes when things transition, it's hard for us to understand what home looks like. But God in his loving graciousness has provided you and given you a perfect home. Listen to what he says in John chapter 14 and verse 2. I love that Jesus is giving this explanation. He's giving this clarification of what happens after life is over. He says in verse 2, he says, In my Father's house are many rooms. Listen, those many rooms are for you and I. That is a place for us to call home. This is our eternity that is set with Christ. Jesus says, If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? Listen, I want you to understand this morning that God the Father wants each and every one of you to be his children that is what a loving heavenly father does for us so now that we have kind of a a, an aspect or understanding of what god the father is what those three key components are for him being god the father i want you to think about what our response should be to our father now listen over the years we've had many responses to our fathers Many responses, some of them are good, some of them are an embrace, some of them are loving, and some of them are anger and frustration. But we should be responding to our Heavenly Father a certain way. The first thing and the key to this is that we would know God as our Heavenly Father. Realize that being a child of God is not just this automatic thing that takes place. In verse 18, it talks about this, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. For some, we've kind of adopted this mentality that we are Christians by osmosis or just because God is a loving God. But listen, I want to be very clear with you on what scripture says this morning. Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, it says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised you from the dead, you will be saved you will have a home an eternity with him 
We don't get to place our faith and trust in Christ and then act like our Father doesn't even exist. The average person knows God but believes that we are all his children. They don't learn to keep the commandments or to be in a covenant relationship with him. So the importance of Wednesday nights, the importance of Sunday mornings, the importance of a church is that we would grow together, that we would have community and fellowship together, and that we would know our Heavenly Father. How many of you have sang that song that Olivia sang, Good, Good Father? I've been singing that song for years. I love the understanding that He is a good Father. He is a gracious Father. Realize that parents give us three things. Existence is the first. Do you know that none of us, or maybe you did, but I didn't, picked our parents? Hey, I really like Herb and Shirley. How about, how about that? They gave us our existence. They gave us our resemblance. Do you realize that your kids look like you? And one of my... Favorite understandings is seeing my kids take shape and prayerfully looking more like their mother than me. <laughs> I knew it was coming. You'll amen that, but not Wednesday nights. Good. <laughs> Resemblance. And the third thing they give us is relationship. And my desire as I raise my girls is to have a lifelong relationship with them. That every time that they see their dad, every time that they are around their dad, they feel like they are home. God does this in this form. In existence, we have all come from him. He created us. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 lay out the framework for that existence. The resemblance Only Jesus truly resembles God, but we have a hope of resembling him. The more that we know about him, the more that we begin to live with him. But here's what he gives us. Romans chapter, or John chapter one, verse 12, in a relationship. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. When we place our faith and trust in Christ, it is given to us that he is now our heavenly father. Listen, no matter the scenario, no matter what you've grown up with, whether you've had a perfect example or a horrible example, God in his loving graciousness said, I will be your heavenly father and I am perfect. And I think about it from those that have lost their fathers at an early age or gone through something difficult where, that, where they don't have fathers growing up. But even in the midst of that, God says, I am your father. Lean upon me. Trust in me. I will provide for you. I will take care of you. So let me close with this final thought. If you know God the Father loves you, nothing else matters. Catch that. Why are you anxious? Why do you care about what other people think of you? Why are you worried about fitting in or being rejected in all of these scenarios? Because God's love is always there for you. And I can't imagine living in a situation wondering whether or not my heavenly father really genuinely loves me or is just playing a game. 
clearly points out his love for us. And understanding the Father, the Father knows what you need before you ever even think it. He knows and understands your heart. He knows your desires. He knows who you are. Listen, most of the time we know our kids' favorite colors or favorite things, and sometimes those things change, and sometimes we're a little bit outdated on some of those things, but God knows the thought process that goes through your mind. So I ask you this morning to not allow your example of your father to be your understanding of the Heavenly Father. This morning, my hope and my prayer is that as you see how the psalmist lays this out, he understands who he is talking to as his Heavenly Father. He understands the aspects of compassionate love. He understands the aspects of him providing a continual home, a place that you can always find rest. He knows that he's always loved. And so listen to these words as we close out this sermon this morning. In verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. See, in this psalm, David is writing these words. And as he's coming to this conclusion, this understanding, he even starts with this to say, Lord, bless my soul, bless me. I know that it is you that is the only one that can bless me. I tell you this, if you tell your soul that you are a child of God and that matters most, you will be like the psalmist that's writing this with the understanding of his heavenly father. I challenge you this morning. Do you know the Heavenly Father? Have you placed your faith and trust completely in Him? If you haven't, that's the starting point to this. If you've placed your faith and trust in Christ and maybe the Trinity has become this messy understanding that you've kind of pulled back from and stopped trying to explain, listen, this morning you can know God the Father and explain God the Father clearly through Scripture. If you need those 145 passages of Scripture, I'll take copies and send them to you. I think one of the reasons that we don't fully know him is we don't spend time getting to know him. The reality is that he's always there. His love for us is always on display. It's time for us to genuinely know God as our heavenly father. If everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes just for a second. The worship team is going to come forward and sing this last song. What a beautiful song of amazing grace. But before they do, maybe this is one of the first times that you've genuinely began to understand God as your heavenly father. Maybe it's been this messy confusion in your life, trying to figure out what a father looks like and what you should have had as a father. And maybe you've had regrets after regrets after regrets with a bad example of a father. Listen, this morning, 
no matter the earthly father that you have, you have a heavenly father that deeply loves you and cares for you. He doesn't hold on to grudges. He does not hold on to anger. He's not trying to pay you back for every sin that you've committed and every fault that you've done. He forgives and he separates your sins as far as the east is from the west. He's provided you a home, a place where you can always go to, that you can always find rest, you can always find safety there. So this morning, know God as your heavenly Father. That is a personal relationship with Him. Listen, as you begin to know God as your heavenly Father, you begin to imitate the things that He does in your household. The only way that you can be the example as a good earthly father is if you know God as your heavenly father. I'll tell you this morning, never place your faith and trust in Christ. This is the time. Just by simply bowing, just like Romans 10, 9 says, if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised you from the dead, for those that are not being good fathers to their household and to their families today. Lord, change their hearts. Convict them to align more with who you are as our God and our Father. Help them to begin to forgive and to show compassion and anger and to genuinely love the, the gifts and the blessings that you've trusted with them as their parents. Father, we love you this morning and praise you this morning. In Christ's precious and holy name, would stand as we sing this last song of invitation. I'll tell you that this altar is open to you. Maybe you've seen God as God the Father for the very first time this morning, and you just want to spend some time and pray this morning. That's what this place is for. Maybe you've been convicted because the example of your father hasn't been a great one, and you've been mimicking or mirroring God. So it's not too late to start that process over and to begin to make the changes that God's put in Be the godly father that the heavenly Father sets the example.